0: What's going on everybody? It's Dylan James right here on JDF sports out of bounds with Dylan James tonight. We have a lot to talk about, especially in the world of the Tennessee Titans. We have a firing that we did not see coming today, but it happened on this Tuesday and our guest tonight will be speaking with us more about that situation and also what we're going to be doing with the Titans moving forward, how they're going to perform the rest of the season and how this impacts the Titans moving forward past this season as well. Um, so to get started with that, we're actually going to have that topic, but also we have uh, Baker Mayfield, his new home in Los Angeles, and also Jimmy G has gone down with an injury. It looks like it's not season-ending, so we'll talk more about that later in the show. But before we get to all of that, we're going to talk about Titans first, and we have a very special guest for this. He just joined us in the green room. He is over at Broadway Sports Media. He is the host of the hot read podcast and he's also um the i believe the senior what was it i believe let me look at the the title here he has a very long title for broadway sports the director of published content and senior nfl contributor none other than easton freeze easton thank you so much for joining us on the show this evening how are you after the news that we heard this afternoon that john robinson is fired as the general manager of the tennessee titans
1: Hey man, thank you for the introduction and uh I'm I'm great. Can you hear me all right?
0: I can hear you fine. Yeah, you sound great.
1: Perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm great. It's been a very long and busy day for me. Um the craziest day I've had covering the Titans really since they traded AJ Brown away on draft night earlier this past spring. So it's been a crazy one, but no shortage of things to talk about when it comes to John Robinson being fired in What was the most surprising move that we've seen
0: from this team in a long time? Absolutely. So I know you brought up the A.J. Brown trade. We'll talk more about that because that might have had a hand in this whole firing from Amy Adams shrunk today. But go back to when this news broke. What were your initial thoughts of when you saw, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it on the news. What was your initial thoughts when you saw the news come across your phone or your TV um, that John Robinson was fired? My initial thought was, let me make sure that this is um, real
1: because it's the kind of <laughs> news that you you see come across your timeline and you aren't positive that it's not uh, a fake account trying to dupe people. Um, when, I, when I realized that it was, in fact, the case, John Robinson had been fired. I was surprised by the timing. I, if you had told me this was the last season John Robinson had with the Titans, I would have found it mildly surprising. But the prospect of them letting him go after this season was totally within the realm of possibility in my mind.
0: Um, I just wasn't expecting it to come today, that's for sure. Absolutely. And then also looking at the performance of the Titans this past weekend – Everyone in the Titans organization and the the fan base, um, the community all had question marks about what was happening with this team, whether it comes to the offensive woes, whether it comes to Todd Downing. People were surprised that Todd Downing was not the first name to to get axed in this organization before John Robinson, but um, I'm sure we'll talk about that in just a moment as well. But... what what do you think was the straw that broke the camel's back? I know there are people out there that are speculating that it was probably this weekend. There was a video that surfaced of Philadelphia fans flipping the bird up to the uh, Titans box in Philadelphia when AJ Brown scored his second touchdown of the day. But w- what are what do you think? What what are your thoughts on why this happened now? Yeah, so so that's been the speculation, right?
1: And. Uh... My my thinking on this has evolved kind of as the day has gone on because it's hard to really digest such a surprising event in real time. Ultimately, their performance in Philadelphia was the straw that broke the camel's back. But the more that I think about it, the more confident I am that this decision this week coming off of this poor performance from the Titans in Philadelphia has a lot more to do with convenient timing than it does necessarily being the conventional straw that broke the camels back my initial thought like many was that this weekend's perfect storm uh just a microcosm of all of the shortcomings of john robinson's tenure as gm in recent years kind of coming to a head and you seeing all these shortcomings that his roster just was being outclassed Um, In a number of categories, when it came to the offensive line performance, of course, having let A.J. Brown go, it's not fair that A.J. Brown and Traylon Burks couldn't be put up head to head in that game because Burks didn't get to play the majority of the time. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles. And ultimately, him not being a part of that game outside of his touchdown was a detrimental element of the narrative, I think, as well. Um, seeing that the, the secondary just is not big and physical and deep enough to contend with some of the best receiving cores in the league. You saw all of these things that people have been criticizing John Robertson and his staff for, for a long time, all coming together in one ugly storm for him in a game that they weren't even competitive in, in the final two or three quarters. That is an easy thing to point to and say, that was the element of this season that really put this ownership group over the edge. And that's why they decided to make this decision this week. But the more that I think about it, the more confident I am that this decision coming when it did um, was more of a convenient PR move. Knowing the Titans and Amy Adams Strunk, they're not the type to make this kind of emotional decision. You know, if, If you let your GM go based on the outcome of a game or a couple of games, Um, It's the dumbest possible thing you can do. I mean, it is malpractice of the highest order, and that's not what the Titans are known for. It's certainly not what Amy Adams Strunk is known for. She's calculated and clearly very, very good at her job. So this must have been a decision that she'd made a while ago, or at the very least something that she had been recently turning over in her head. And I think that they as an organization had probably or as an ownership group rather come to the conclusion that it was time to move on from John Robinson. And it was just a matter of when and not if. And I think they're thinking most likely. And again, there's a thousand different ways this could have gone down. And we may learn more in the coming days and weeks. We may not ever know. I think right now the most likely scenario is that they at some point in the past before this past weekend had decided we're going to move on from John Robinson. I think at that point it became, when do we want to do this? Because this team is absolutely going to the playoffs this year. With Mike Vrabel at the helm, they're liable to win a game or two in the playoffs. You never know. If this team ends up going to the playoffs, winning a game, then you fire your GM after a playoff win or at the very least a playoff berth. It may not be nearly as well received as firing him after a game that, again, was the perfect storm of things that went wrong that you could trace back directly to John Robinson Robinson. I think it also is convenient for the Titans organization that this is the time of year. Now that the college season has just ended the fact that there is a full season of tape out and available on all of the prospects for next year's draft. This is the time of year that NFL front offices across the league get into their busy season. They spend the next three or four months deep in scouting and going through their entire process start to finish. And when you have a GM turnover in the middle of that in February, when you're only a couple of months out from the draft and other teams have been doing this with their team, with their system for a couple of months already, you're at a disadvantage if you start fresh in February or January. So the fact that they could kind of kill two birds with one stone in that in that sense and and get a new guy in here as soon as possible get out in front of the the, the line that will be forming for new GMs and head coaches in the offseason I think all of that kind of came to a head and I think the ownership group and and the people in charge at, at first Thomas uh, Park decided either yesterday or today it's time to pull the trigger
0: yeah and, and speaking of personnel too we're talking about when it comes to drafting these college players coming out of the draft John Robbins hasn't done the best the past two drafts. Um, I guess that's the best way to put it. In 2020 and 2021, he had some poor choices in the first couple of rounds. Um, in 2020, first-rounder Isaiah Wilson, also third-rounder Darrington Evans. Those two players are no longer on the Tennessee Titans. And then also in 2021, first-rounder Caleb Farley, which he is on the roster for the Tennessee Titans. He came into the team injured. He is injured now with a back injury on IR for a few games. Um, and we also have Dylan Raidens who got picked up in 21 as well in the second round and is not filling any holes there on the offensive line that was unable to to withstand the power of the Philadelphia Eagles this past weekend in Philadelphia. When it comes to the decisions that John Robinson made, especially in the draft, how much of that do you put on the personnel when it comes to scouting? Uh, we, we should have some sort of finger in the scouting department, too. I'm sure that, he, yes, he did have the final say so of who he was going to go with. Um, but w- how much of a voice do you think those scout those scouts actually have in that room with John Robinson and led to some of these decisions? Do you think that there are some people in that room that deserve some of the uh, credit or um, I guess you could say best thing is credit um, for those decisions as well? Dylan, there's really no way to know
1: for sure, but there certainly is a sense in media and and folks that have been covering the team much longer than I have. I've spoken to about this ad nauseum and they've said that the sense that they get, and I agree with this, the scouting department in the front office that surrounded John Robinson was more the type to be young scouts, young guys, their first or second job in the league real yes men who weren't going to disagree with much of what John Robinson had to say, as opposed to the kind of guys you'd like the people making those personnel decisions to be surrounded by the, the kind of people that will push back and state their case and bang the table for guys, even when it's not a popular opinion, or frankly tell you that you're making a horrible decision and that you vehemently disagree with a decision that the GM is making. That's not really the reputation that John Robinson's front office had it was much more the former than the latter. And so again, we can't know ultimately beyond the fact that John Robinson had the final say on any and all personnel decisions since 2016 with the Tennessee Titans. He, regardless of of who was involved in those decisions down the chain, he ultimately has to live and die by the results because he's the one in charge. And uh, it ended up going in a way that he made enough mistakes um, and, and this team decided it was time to let him go. Although I will say, I think, and I'm looking at your uh, your chat feed here on the side, I noticed somebody uh, mentioning, Jacob Barker, mentioning that it's a puzzling thing for him to be fired at this point in the season. Jacob, I think you're spot on in the sense that anybody, and I tweeted this out earlier today, anybody that thinks that this decision by the Titans was made primarily or because of the Titans performance in Philadelphia, I think clearly is, is sorely mistaken as well as don't really know how the Titans operate. Again, this is not the kind of team the kind of organization that's going to make that kind of rash judgment. So I, I think this is something that had been brewing for a long time. And frankly, here's the strangest thing about this to me, Dylan, John Robinson and Mike Rabel both signed five year extensions back in February. We are now less than a year away, 10 or 11 months away from that extension. And now things have deteriorated so quickly and so dramatically, the relationship between ownership and the GM's office, that he's no longer a part of the organization. Something went horribly wrong there. Something went wrong very, very quickly. Now, again, that extension was signed before the draft. And perhaps John Robinson's decisions in this past year's draft were enough to cause a rift there. Here's the thing, though. While his 2020 and 2021 draft classes were horrible, top to bottom, it's not a question anymore. They were definitively bad. His 2022 draft class looks like a fantastic class of contributors to this Titans team. So the people that he picked can't possibly, in my mind, be the reason this team got upset with him. It had to have been surrounding A.J. Brown and or, and I don't think we can rule this out, Something else happening in the past 11 months that caused this relationship to spiral downhill so quickly. Now, Adam Schefter earlier today on NFL Live was reporting that he'd been hearing from sources within the building, and he didn't say specifically in the A.J. Brown situation. He, he, he broadly painted with broad strokes in saying that ownership seemed to be upset with the fact that John Robinson and the GM's office weren't always communicating with them their decisions when it came to large personnel moves such as the A.J. Brown trade, um, among others. And so if that became just a breakdown in communication and there was a rift in the relationship there, that could be an explanation for what went downhill. But the bottom line is something went horribly wrong in the last 11 months, and we may never know what it
0: is. Well, and especially that video of Mike Vrabel in the draft room, in the war room during the draft, getting up pretty... Pretty emotional when it came to the A.J. Brown, the A.J. Brown trade, it looked like anyway, Um, him stepping away for a moment, gathering himself, coming back to the table with John Robinson there. So that was kind of circulating around Twitter as well um, when it comes to that. Jacob also has another comment here. Um, Well, that's part of the problem as far as his contracts that he's made that are kind of hurting us now and Tannehill's contract was the start. Do you think that that had something to do See, with it as well? Because that was before no, Jacob Jacob. Anyway.
1: You were so right. You should have stopped while you were ahead, Jacob. <laughs> <That's> uh, <true. laughs> Tan- Tannehill's contract has nothing to do with this. Um, I can say that definitively. Tannehill was and is both John Robinson and Mike Rabel's guy. There was no... He's also loved by ownership. There was no um, bad blood in terms of giving Tannehill the contract that they gave him. Now, tangentially, the reason that Tannehill's contract looks bad today... And I people need to remember, it was not so long ago that Tannehill's contract looked very, very good at a very young stage in a contract. This is how quarterback contracts or top flight contracts in the league at any position go. When you first make the contract, if it's one of the best players in the league, it's going to be market setting or near market setting. And so it looks bad for the initial month or two. But as soon as somebody else... Gets signed, and then somebody else, and then somebody else. Suddenly, they're the fifth or sixth or seventh highest paid quarterback, and you have them secured for the next three or four or five years. It looks like you made out uh, like a bandit in that in that trade in that uh, deal with in negotiation for a contract. That is, it's been a long day. I'm I'm kind of blabbermouthing here. <laughs> I think funny. I've done like three hours of TV or, or podcasting, oh, so it's it's getting old here. But <laughs> yep, yeah, it, it's it's something that looked good for a long time and then became bad, Jacob. When the Titans decided to go and get Julio Jones in order to make money for that. They had to make room by restructuring Ryan Tannehill's contract, and it ended up forcing their hand. They set it up in a way that made Tannehill's cap hit this year exorbitantly high. But the idea at the time was if we decide to continue with Ryan Tannehill this year, we'll just kick that can further on down the road. We'll restructure again. We'll we'll maybe even extend him and make that number – lessened by spreading it out over the next couple of years. They weren't able to do that because frankly, after Tannehill's year last year, they weren't able to be in a position to decide Tannehill could be the long term future. They weren't sure whether or not they'd want to keep him around beyond this year because he had a really bad year last year. Now in hindsight, he's going to be the quarterback for this team next year. They're going to do something with his deal. I think that he's going to be re-signed relatively soon in the offseason process. So... They could have not made his cap hit so strong this year, but that's hindsight. And at the time, it was the right move to to leave his money so, so exorbitantly large this season as a stopgap if it went poorly again.
0: Jacob also says, but uh, Julio didn't help. He said that. Uh, But how much money is too much money as far as what we can spend? Well, I mean, I mean really, really, right now, the only thing that we can spend is $2.55 million, I think it is, the cap space. Right, you're... the Titans can't, they don't, I mean, they. It,
1: it, Jacob, it entirely depends on, on what you're talking about and on whom. It, it, the amount of money they're spending on Ryan Tannehill right now is not too much um, in terms of what they're getting from him. If you think that Ryan Tannehill is the problem with this team right now, I'm afraid that you don't know Ball because he's been, at times, the only solution for this team this season. After a really bad year last year, he's had quite a nice season this year despite some really, really bad extenuating circumstances.
0: Absolutely, with injuries and such, and we've seen a lot of that go towards uh, John Robinson as well when it comes to injuries that he has decided to take flyers on players in first and second round, and it turns out to be uh, not as good except for Jeffrey Simmons, of course, uh, being one of the best ones out of that Well, and Dylan,
1: let me say this. I think people are misunderstanding a little bit what the main problem with John Robinson is. They point to the people that he decided to let go as the issue. John Robinson's a bad GM because he let John Smith walk because he let AJ Brown walk out the door because he let Corey Davis walk out the door because he, he, he let uh, Roger Saffold walk out the door. That the reason, the, 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 reason why he got fired is not because of the guys he let walk out the door. It's because of who he replaced them with. He let Johnny Smith walk out the door fine. He's not been very, he's certainly not lived up to his contract in New England, but what was his plan? Anthony Ferkser as your replacement tight end one, and he was a disaster. That's a yes. very poor personnel decision. He let Corey Davis and AJ Brown walk out the door. That's fine. But what were the solutions? Josh Reynolds and a bunch of rookies mixed bag to be sure a real disaster with guys like Josh Reynolds and Des Fitzpatrick. And at this point, frankly, Robert Woods has been really underwhelming as well. He let uh, Roger Saffold walk out the door. Fine. He, he, his injury situation, his shoulders, plural, his knees, plural, were in really bad shape, and he was trending in the wrong direction, both in his age and his health. He's been serviceable in Buffalo. Fine. Good for him. That that hindsight doesn't impact the fact that letting Roger Saffold walk, in my eyes and I think in the ownership's eyes, was a good decision. The problem is he let Roger Saffold walk without a tenable replacement option at left guard and now you've got guys on the left side of the line who are an absolute disaster and it's hurting them in every element of the game
0: yeah especially Aaron Brewer and also trying to get Dylan Raiden's as a left guard has not been the best and Dennis Daly too that's been uh one of the He's players you that's should gotten, start with yeah he should definitely be the one that uh should probably get the axe first um but Jacobs also says Tannehill is has been our best regular season quarterback we've had since Kerry Collins which Kerry Collins was And every other year quarterback. Yeah, sad comparison. I think Tannehill is a bit better than Cary Collins. Um, We also have to talk about the future. Do y'all think Malik Willis can take over for Tannehill? If so, how long does it take for him to get get ready? And I think that's probably going to be a question that ultimately, ultimately lands with the new general manager, whoever that's going to be. But... In your mind, do you well, see Willis?
1: Ultimately, that'll be the decision of Mike Vrabel, frankly. I mean, he's not going to let a, a GM at this point, And that's that's going to be the big question, right? Just how much say Mike Vrabel has in personnel going forward. It's been reported by multiple league sources that the, the, the idea is he's anticipated as being the guy who's going to have a lot of say. We just don't know how much or in what way. I think whether or not the Titans promote from within or without will we'll have a big role in that. Um, but but, J- Jacob, the interesting thing about Malik Willis, I have a pretty good relationship with his personal quarterback coach who trained him all through high school and through college. He's been on my show a couple of times. The hot read podcast at Um, Sean McAvoy, he's fantastic. And him and I t- have talked extensively about Malik Willis, his development, what kind of quarterback he could be in the league, yada, yada, yada. Right now, Malik Willis stinks. He's not He's not good. He's not an NFL quarterback. He doesn't really show any signs of being able to be an NFL quarterback. That's the bad news. The good news is he's very raw. He has been very raw. We knew coming out he was a raw prospect and would not be ready anytime soon. So the fact that he stinks now is not necessarily an indictment of his ability in the future. That being said, can he replace Tannehill? Perhaps, but it's not this year and it's not next year. I think best case scenario for Malik Willis is that he takes over in a starting role in the 2024 season. And again, that is so far down the road and requires so much development from him, which is not impossible, but it's quite a bit of progress he has to make. There's no reason that you or I or any fan or any member of the media or anybody in the the offices at the Titans headquarters is building their plans around the idea that Malik Willis is the future of this team because they're not.
0: Absolutely. And and looking at also Tannehill too, it's a good thing we have a quarterback like Tannehill for this team to move forward to be that quarterback. They can restructure in the offseason, potentially have some more money for the cap so that they can actually move forward and get some better pieces around Ryan Tannehill and, and on the defense so on the offensive line in particular. I think that's going to be the best thing for this team moving forward. Now, looking at, the Philadelphia game and looking at that performance there, they came out of that game. They didn't play well against them, didn't play well against the Buffalo Bills. When it comes to this team, they're sitting at seven and five. It looks like it's going to be in another AFC South division championship once again. So three years in a row, potentially, I mean, there are, there is some room for error there, but it looks like that's, they'll, they'll win their magic number yeah. is down to one. They need, yeah, they it, need,
1: they need one win or one loss at this point. It's, it's a, it's a done
0: deal. Yeah, they're turning in the right direction for that one. Um, but when it comes to the Titans moving forward this season, what do you see happens first? Having this interim GM come in, um, he's from within as well. So having him come in, speaking to Mike Vrabel, what do you think that conversation is going to be? How do you think they're going to move forward to address some of the issues they have, in particularly the offensive line?
1: Well, with Ryan Cowden stepping in as interim GM, I expect, and he's no pushover. This isn't this isn't a slight at him, but I expect personnel decisions to primarily be made by Mike Vrabel for the remainder of the season. Um, and, and that has already started today. You've already seen the release of a couple of players who you'd recognize, such as Sam O, oh, the pass rusher who has been in and out of the Titans' active roster. He went from being an active roster member today to being uh, waived or cut, and then you saw. Um, the fullback, Tory Carter, also has been a starter for this team for a couple of years now. He was a young, uh, promising guy for a while. He's dealt with injuries in lackluster play this year, and he got axed immediately as well. So there's already some moves being made. They've also started churning the bottom of the roster, signed a practice practice squad cornerback today, released another practice squadder whose name and position escapes me. But they've already started. Uh, I think what you can expect to see, for the remainder of the season from a GM personnel management standpoint, will just be a lot of roster churn, which again is not really that out of the ordinary for the Titans. They've done a lot of roster churn uh, and have been known to bring in and out guys that are kind of random. It's the the reason that you, you get the tier tarts and you get the Trey Avery's and you get the uh, the best example this year is Andrew Adams at safety, who are guys that are brought in, and everybody's wondering, why are you doing this? Why are you wasting your time with this? Eventually, you're going to find a diamond in the rough who, who works and or can be coached up in a way that's advantageous to this team, and so that's a good thing. However, the Titans, for some reason under John Robinson, and maybe this has uh, something to do with the fact that he was released, have really struggled to churn the roster at a couple of positions. It's strange. They, they have turned the roster over a ton, On the secondary, at the defensive front, at the wide receiver position, Um, what they haven't churned the roster is on the offensive line. Now, there aren't offensive linemen growing on trees. The NFL is experiencing an offensive line epidemic right now. There are not enough good offensive linemen to create 32 good offensive lines. There's not enough good offensive linemen to create 10 great offensive lines right now it's very 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 limited and everybody for the most part outside of two or three teams is kind of putting things together with scotch tape and uh and super glue so this team doesn't have a ton of options either on the free market uh, with waiver claims or guys on other practice squads to choose from that being said dennis daly is by far and away the worst starting lineman at any position on any team in the league that's five times thirty two Get out your calculators, kids. That's a lot of people, and he's dead last. He's been dead last. It's not trended down, it's been down and stayed down. He's horrible. I, and among hundreds of others, have been calling for him to be replaced by literally anybody from day one because it cannot get worse than it currently is. That is to say, why, with so much roster churn that this team constantly does, are they not going through the tackle options on all 32 practice squads and taking a flyer on one, two, three, four, five guys, a guy a week for as long as it takes? It cannot possibly be worse than what they have going on right now because Dylan Ray, excuse me, not Dylan Raidens, because Dennis Daly has been a complete and utter disaster. And I think that you will see some offensive line churn among other positions in the coming days and weeks.
0: Yeah, and also they have five weeks to do so as well. If they're going to be going to the playoffs, potentially winning at least one, hopefully. Fingers crossed they do. Um, But if that's the case, then they definitely have to have some offensive line help when it comes to um, the Titans this year. So if you were the GM uh, to come in, if you were the brand new GM for this team, what would you be doing? What would you do first thing to make this team better than what it is today? Besides offensive line. Let's go besides offensive line because obviously that's, that's a given.
1: Well, right now, there's really nothing that a GM can do. The trade deadline is long past. There's not many options out there. And this team's key needs are at wide receiver and at offensive line. Wide receiver, there's, they have been churning the roster. There are no good options out there. They can continue to do so. But so far, it's been a lot of crapshoots that have, that have ended up crapping out. And uh, at offensive line, again, they've not churned the roster. That would be what I'd do. You know, I tell you what, Dylan, the thing that I would do if I was the GM, and this does not make this team better today, but it does make the most sense as the number one thing that would be on the top of my to-do list as the new GM is to sign Jeffrey Simmons. This decision to let go of John Robinson all but assures the fact that Jeffrey Simmons will be a Titan going forward. He will get a a dramatic contract that probably is is, uh, position setting, league market setting. And, And that's because whoever the new guy is, is not going to be blind. He's going to see what ultimately a number of things led to the fact that John Robinson was fired and, and many of which we probably will never know, but a big, very public one, definitely the narrative, whether or not it's entirely true. The fact that AJ Brown walked out that door, a cornerstone franchise elite player, that was a thing that led in at least part to John Robinson's firing. The new guy's not dumb he's not going to make that same mistake. And whether or not, however much they decide to pay Jeffrey Simmons is the right amount, whether or not extending Simmons in the first place is the right move or not, it's going to get done because that's not going to be the way that this new guy begins his tenure and and sets his legacy on the fact that the old guy just skipped town perceivably because he let go of a cornerstone player. You come in and the first thing you do is let another cornerstone player on the other side of the ball walk because you're too cheap it's not going to happen they'll sign him so that's what i would do
0: easton freeze from broadway sports media also the host of the hot read podcast once again thank you so much for joining us this evening to talk about the titans i know you you got to run after this topic but uh, we appreciate your time we truly do i'm sure my audience loves it as well and hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast to talk more about titans in the off season, maybe in the playoffs too. see where this team can go anytime dylan i appreciate it awesome thanks have a good night easton once again, Easton Freeze for Broadway Sports Media joining us right here on JDF Sports and Out of Bounds. What do you think about his takes? I, I think they're great. I think they're spot on. I think that, you know, looking at this team, they definitely have to look at offensive line. They have to turn the offensive line, see what they can do with practice squad players out there, potentially, you know, I don't know what else they can do, but I think that's one of the biggest things they need to do for this team moving forward. Now, let's talk about other things that are happening in the NFL. There are other teams out there besides the Tennessee Titans. So let's continue with those topics there. When it comes to a big signing that happened today, besides John Robinson firing, there was a big piece of news. Baker Mayfield was claimed by the Los Angeles Rams today to be the starting, not the starting quarterback, potentially the starting quarterback there for the Rams. It looks like that's the case. Looking at the Rams and looking at who they have at quarterback, Matt Stafford is on IR. It's potentially season ending, it sounds like. There are reports coming out of Los Angeles that it is season ending. So at that point, they have John Walford, who's injured currently right now as well. He's questionable to play on the eighth. And they also have Bryce Perkins, and Baker Mayfield now. So they have several options there at quarterback. Um, several, I mean two, essentially, except in, unless John Walford can actually play on Thursday. They don't have many options there at the Rams, and having Baker Mayfield come in there and potentially be a savior for them for a few weeks to potentially get into the playoffs. I mean, this team has been underperforming at, at by the largest um, degree this season when it comes to being a reigning Super Bowl champion. Um this team definitely needs something to happen to be successful moving forward this season and um look at the playoffs or sniff the playoffs anyway. Baker Mayfield might be that option. He is coming over from Carolina where he did not play very well, but again, the circumstances there in Carolina did not bode well for Baker Mayfield. Made it to where it was a media circus around Baker Mayfield when In all reality, when he was in Cleveland, he was the one that was in the middle of the circus. So it is quite interesting to see that Baker Mayfield got picked up by the Rams. There weren't many options out there besides, I mean, the 49ers were another team that could potentially get him because Jimmy G went down with an injury, which we'll talk about him in just a moment as well. But Baker Mayfield coming in for this team, for the Rams, I think it's a good place for him. I think it's a a third team that he's been on in his career. Let's see what he can do with that, opportunity I think in that opportunity he has the potential to do some good things there are some injuries on that team but um they did win the Super Bowl last season I still think they have some good pieces there I think that Baker Mayfield can make the most of his opportunity there and I think he'll play better than what we saw in Carolina which is not uh, a stretch to say I think that in Carolina it was just Situation. It was a situation he was in, having the Churn at head coach, having the Churn at wide receiver, with all the injuries they had there. Christian McCaffrey getting signed and going to San Francisco. Um, I think that it's probably best that he did escape Carolina to have one more shot at being a starting quarterback. Um, and then after that, I think we'll probably see Baker Mayfield. If he does, if he's not successful in this situation in Los Angeles, I have a feeling we'll see Baker Mayfield be a backup quarterback in the league somewhere and uh, be a journeyman. Kind of like we saw um, with several other quarterbacks in the past, but Jacob is chiming in talking about the Titans. Ultimately, I think the amount of money we've paid players, especially players they have stayed hurt. For example, Julio Lawan Clowney, Wilson, the list goes on, is why he was fired. They can be the greatest at their position, but if they are making, let me see if they're making big time money and not able to stay on the field, then it's irrelevant how good they are. And I think that's the biggest thing too. They that he wasn't able to capitalize on draft picks. Draft picks were pretty much the thing that he should have been his bread and butter. I think that that should have been the case. With free agent moves, you usually see maybe one, maybe two um, free agent moves with teams that are contenders. They're constantly contenders. Now, John Robinson, being with the Titans, he was 66-43 and as the general manager of the Tennessee Titans in his seven seasons he was here. Three and four in the playoffs, and he had several terrible decisions at at, at draft picks, but then also had devastating injuries to players that he tried to pick up. So Jadavion Clowney fizzled out very, very quickly here in Tennessee, and he's been forgotten about, uh, forgotten by most fans given the the way he talked about Nashville once he went over to Cleveland and was having some injury issues there as well. Taylor One, I think that this year, especially with his ACL being the same ACL that got operated on previously, it sounds like there might've been some malpractice when it comes to the surgery there. I don't think it was necessarily... Um, just because he's injury prone. I think that might've had something to do with it eventually. Um, But I mean, we haven't really gotten confirmation from that. Taylor kind of alluded to that on Bustin' with the Boys and on his Twitter page too, talking about how it might be similar to, it might've been something happened with the doctor or with his surgery that made it to where it snapped once again. Isaiah Wilson was a terrible choice and he was high on a lot of people's draft boards at Georgia. Um, He did tumble down to the Titans a little bit. He did go lower than what people expected. But in college, he didn't have these. I don't think he had these uh, th- these feelings for football like he did in the NFL. It just seemed like he made it. He got his contract. He made it in the NFL, and that's all he wanted to do. And uh, he just didn't want to play. So that was definitely a poor decision by the Titans organization. I'm sure there might have been some other stuff they could have dug up in the process of, dra- of the draft to figure out um, his character, as a player. Um, but that was definitely a whiff for sure. But uh, you know, free agents draft picks, the, those were definitely the ultimate. I mean, and Amy Adams strunk in her, in her statement about the Tennessee Titans firing John Robinson. She did say it was, it was about roster building. It was about the composition of the roster itself. And she was not, um, agreeing with the way that the roster was going. And she thought that it was time for, um, a, a new, a new, voice in the room, whether it be someone internal or external, I think it should be somebody external. I don't think that somebody internal should take over that position, especially how Easton was saying that most of the scouts they have there in that organization are young scouts um, that most of them don't really have experience when it comes to leading a team like this. So I don't think that's the case here. I think that we should be looking, the Titans should be looking at getting somebody from the outside to take over this position as general manager. Um, John Robinson was a good general manager, though, to get us out of the slump that they were, the Titans were in for many years. Um, there were a lot of dark days for Tennessee, and I think that with John Robinson, he did his best to get them out of those dark days. But then it just seemed like once COVID hit, once 2020 came around, he just wasn't able to hit in draft picks. He had several good draft picks out of the bunch, three of 29 draft picks that he had selected as his time as the general manager in Tennessee Three of them got second contracts. There was a fourth; they got a one-year extension. That was Jalen Brown, or Jalen Brown, but he was only there for a year because there was nothing out here there for him. Um, they they felt like they could use him for that one more year, and they came up to a one-year contract. It was not a, a true second-year contract. Only three players out of twenty-nine players got a secondary contract from their rookie contract, which it, which is surprising to to look at that on paper. Um, but I think that's something as well. I think that homegrown talent, kind of like Jeffrey Simmons, that's something that they're, they're trying to avoid. And I think Easton was spot on when saying that not signing Jeffrey Simmons to a contract is off the table. He's going to sign a contract with the Tennessee Titans eventually. And he, he will be one of the highest paid defensive linemen out there. Um, I think that that's going to be the case. I think that he is going to set a new precedent for defensive linemen at this point because of how dominant he can be on the defensive line. Now his ankle injury has stifled him a little bit this year. I think that we've seen that over the past few weeks when it comes to his effectiveness and not being able to get to the quarterback as much as he had earlier in the season. I think Denico Autry's injury probably has a hand in that as well. I think Denico Autry is a huge piece for the, for the Titans that is truly being missed right now. But At the end of the day, there were a lot of questionable decisions by John Robinson when it came to personnel, especially we don't know if he was the one holding on to certain guys. If it was Mike holding on to certain guys, we know that Mike is holding on to Todd Downing. That's one name that people were expecting to hear get fired before John Robinson. So with Todd Downing being there, Tim Kelly being in the, in the wings waiting. I mean, I have to remind you that Tim Kelly was one of the names that Mike Vrabel brought up in being an offensive coordinator for this team when Arthur Smith got the Atlanta Falcons job and the Texans denied his request to interview. So at that point, he did want Tim Kelly as the offensive coordinator. Now, I don't know why he gets he's still sticking with Todd Downing. I don't know if there were discussions being had between him and Amy Adams Strunk about this situation that happened today. Uh, we don't know how long these discussions have been going on for. I tend to agree with Easton that it was probably a while that, that those discussions that were being had and finally it just came to fruition today after the, the performance against the Philadelphia Eagles that was just the timing of it all it just seemed like that was the perfect time for them to make that move now what will happen with the roster after this firing I'd love to hear from the players I'm sure we'll hear from them this week about what they think about this firing what they think about the Titans moving forward and how they can move on from this situation but again it's kind of like the Mike Mullarkey situation he took him as far as he could go. He took him as far as he could go. He had a ceiling. He hit it. And the Titans said, adios, Mike Mularky. At that point, we thought that John Robinson had, all of, had Amy Adams Strunk on a string. But then once Mike Vrabel came in, it switched to where Mike Vrabel is now the one that is closer to Amy Adams Strunk, it seems like, than John Robinson. And we saw that today be confirmed by the firing of John Robinson and the Titans organization. So there's a lot of things that are going to be addressed. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure we'll hear from Mike Vrabel this week too. Um, I'm sure we'll hear from a lot of people about John Robinson's firing this week when they go back to practice tomorrow. But um, I'm looking forward to those press conferences. I'm sure we'll be able to see it on the Titans social media and also from Titans media reporters, Buck rising that, you know, play at Easton as well. I'm sure. We'll hear from them as well. Wesley chiming in the comments. Welcome, sir. I'm glad you are joining us this evening. But let me know in the comments below what you think about the situation with John Robinson. Was it the perfect timing for them to fire John Robinson? Was it a good decision? Do you think that the Titans are going to be a better team without John Robinson in the in the building? Uh, let me know in the comments below. Love to get your thoughts there. But going back to the Rams, Baker Mayfield, this is, I I think it's one of his last chances. If not the last chance, one of his last chances. And it's not very many after that. I think with Sam, I I think, I think at this point, Baker can go in there and play well for the Rams. I mean, finish off the season as their starting quarterback. If Walford's not going to be playing because of his injury, um, get acclimated with the system. I think that Baker has the mobility. I think he has the arm to where he can play well and he can produce for this team. And I think that Sean McVay will draw up a scheme to where it will benefit. It will make it to where Baker Mayfield will look good in that system. I think that he'll be able to tweak certain things to make it to where he can succeed in that system. And I think Baker Mayfield's a great a great choice. Great pickup by them. I'm sure the 49ers are upset that they weren't able to get him. Um that, that there are, you know, there are reports that Purdy might be the starting quarterback there. They have Josh Johnson, I believe his name was, um, coming in from the I believe he went to the I need to look and see who that was. I think it was the Seahawks, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he's coming back in into the organization for the for the 49ers. So we'll see what happens with the quarterback situation there. But when it comes to Jimmy G, he went down this weekend with a broken ankle or broken foot. I'm sorry, um, but it looks like it's non certain. It doesn't need to have surgery on it. It looks like he can heal from this from this fully without having surgery. I believe that at this point, Jimmy G will probably come back in the playoffs. Um, this team is bound to make the playoffs for the defense they have. I think that putting a quarterback there, um I mean, Purdy played pretty well in his in his place this weekend. I, I don't see why you would move from Purdy at this point. Um, but hey, we'll see what happens there. I'm sure Purdy will probably play next game, be the starting quarterback there, and go from there. but um it, it's it's terrible, terrible injury um news there in San Francisco. Going down with your, your starting quarterback of the future, Trey Lance, going down with a, a season ending injury. But then now Jimmy G, this far into the season, when they're looking like they're gonna be a Super Bowl contender, Jimmy G goes down with an injury. Um, that might stifle his momentum when he comes back from the playoffs. We kinda saw what that happened with the Tennessee Titans last year with Derrick Henry coming into the playoffs, where he was not the same player after injury. So with Jimmy coming back, we'll see if he'll be able to. Um, I think Purdy will probably right the ship there and we'll go from there. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of injuries that have been happening. Um, Lamar Jackson went down with an injury this past weekend two. A strained PCL is what they're diagnosing him. It looks like he'll be out one to three weeks. And it looks like John Ra- John Harbaugh is um, expecting him to be out for, for at least a week, if not longer. So we'll see how... That turns out for Baltimore, I did speak about it at the beginning of the season, saying Lamar Jackson was probably going to get injured just because of the way he plays, the the reckless way he plays, and especially now with not having a contract, a guaranteed contract, that doesn't look very good for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson should have had representation this offseason instead of just representing himself because obviously he couldn't get the deal done. So that's when you hire representation to go in, speak with the team, and get a deal done. That's what he should have done. I mean, at this point, you're out there now with no guarantees. You got injured right now. You're going to be out for at least two weeks, a week, two weeks, three weeks, maybe, um, depending on how he he recovers from this. But it's not a good situation for the Ravens. I'm sure that we will see something happen with that scenario in the offseason. Um, he might not even go back to the Ravens at this point. There have been, there's been speculation that he might go somewhere else, especially with no contract in hand. So it's a very, very interesting situation with the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not sure where they're going to go with this. I think that, again, Lamar Jackson is a top 10 athlete, not a top 10 quarterback. That, that That's just the plain and simple of it. I'm not sure why people keep putting him up in the top 10 of quarterbacks left and right, but he's not a he's not a top 10 quarterback. He's not. He's a good athlete, but not a top 10 quarterback. Jacob said, great points, buddy. Definitely going to keep chiming in, especially as far as Titans talk. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Jacob. Uh, appreciate it there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that really the big thing is Lamar Jackson just needs to get healthy. Lamar Jackson needs to, if, if he knows what's good for him, I think he would probably hire an agent. Like now. Why, why not hire an agent while you're injured? You got injured, you need to get a, a contract going into next year. I think that that's probably the best thing for him. And he needs to learn how to adapt. He needs to learn how to adapt his game so where he can be successful, use his mobility, but not get injured. This is the second year in a row he's gotten injured. And it's just because he he has yet to adapt to this game that we've seen, especially with how fast and how big these defensive players are. It's just not a good look for Lamar Jackson or the Ravens to allow their quarterback to be getting beat up this way And I think it goes to coaching as well. I mean, coaching him up to say, hey, you need to kind of calm down with how you play. This is, you need to adjust um, accordingly when you have these players that are flying around and potentially getting injured. And he got injured now. He's going to pay the consequence of it. He'll miss at least a game this year. So that's one game less of tape that teams have to offer him a contract, the contract he's wanting to sign in the off season, even though this year, They were saying he was going to have an MVP season and he was going to come back and show everyone that he deserves the fully guaranteed contract. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it. We'll go to his, we'll go to his stats in just a moment, but I haven't seen that with, with Lamar Jackson this season that he is, he deserves a fully guaranteed contract looking at his stats. I I believe we talked about this last week too. Looking at his stats this season, It's just, it's 12 games, 8-4 record, 203 completions, 326 attempts, 2,242 yards, 17 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I mean, okay. He's a good quarterback. He's not top 10. He's serviceable. He can get you the ball down the field at times. If he's accurate, he can Um, completion percentage of 62.3% and rushing yards. He's had, uh, 112 attempts, 764 yards. That's where he definitely has, that's his bread and butter is running the ball. Um, at this point, it just doesn't seem like he is earning that fully guaranteed contract. He's not the, the game changer that people thought he would be, especially with the eight and four record, the, the four losses they have several of them are within seven points a loss of seven points or less in a game and they usually and two of them i know of happened in the last two minutes of the game where they lost why he's not adapting he still has the same thing he still says the same things game in and game out saying you know we got to be better blah blah blah. hasn't adapted to the game yet so at this point they'll be eight and four they'll go to the playoffs let's see how they do there. If Lamar Jackson's there, I have a feeling it's probably going to turn out to be a loss in the first round. Um, but we'll just see again, Lamar Jackson. I've talked to several Ravens fans saying they don't necessarily, they wouldn't mind not having Lamar Jackson as a quarterback there. If they decided to move on from Lamar Jackson, in the off season. it wouldn't hurt them. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just not showing me that he is, he's worthy of a fully guaranteed contract, especially two seasons in a row where he is out with an injury with at least one or two games missed. Um, not a good look for him, but Tyler Huntley has been playing well. Um, he was 27 or 32 for 187 yards um, in two games he's played so far this season. So we'll see how that happens. Wesley chiming in saying he is a top 10 athlete that happens to be a quarterback, uh, happens to quarterback a team. Are you sure he isn't in the top 10? It's a season, so make, it a, make a list and check it twice. I mean, I can make a list of top 10 quarterbacks. I probably will at that point. Um, but again, I, I, uh, I think there are 10 quarterbacks I would rather have over Lamar Jackson. I, 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 I can... I'm not going to let him off the top of my head, but I will put together a list, Wesley, just for you and post it on JDF Sports, uh, letting you know which top 10 quarterbacks there are out there. I I, I still think that he, he's a good athlete and he can play, he can run the ball well, he can throw the ball occasionally well. Um, not the most accurate quarterback out there, but at the end of the day, that's who they have. So run with who you got, I guess. And the Ravens are doing that, having Lamar Jackson out there, trotting him out there, seeing how they can he can perform. Um, and at this point, they've been happy with it, I guess. They weren't happy enough to sign a, a long-term contract in the offseason. So there are questions there, and I'm sure that those questions have not been answered completely this season by the play he's put up. So if he was top 10, I think he would probably have a contract going into this season. I mean, even if he was asking for fully guaranteed money, I have a feeling that probably would have been the case. But obviously the organization doesn't think he's top 10 either. So he's a good quarterback sometimes. He can throw the ball okay, but he can run the ball very well. So top 10 athlete is, is definitely a category I would put him in. Um, other things that happened this week. So Titans fell to the Philadelphia Eagles in devastating fashion that led to the John Robinson firing. But what are some of the other games that you guys saw this week that you enjoyed? Let me know in the comments below. I'd love to get your thoughts on what happened this weekend. Some of the scores from around the league, the Buffalo Bills beating the Patriots 24 to 10, the Pittsburgh Steelers on top of the Atlanta Falcons, 19 to 16, Kenny Pickett throwing 197 yards in that game. Harris actually went down with an injury, though, so that's something to keep an eye on if you're a Philadelphia Steelers fan. We'll see if he can bounce back from that. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers, we've had several conversations talking about Aaron Rodgers and talking about how he was going to bode, if he was going to bode well for this team moving forward. He got injured last week. There was question marks about if he was actually going to play this week. He did play against the Bears, and he went in there and showed showed them who owns them and Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears at this point 28-19 against the Chicago Bears and fields threw for 254 yards and was still unable to keep up with the two-time MVP back-to-back MVP in Aaron Rodgers the reigning MVP in Aaron Rodgers um Amon Ross St. Brown though I'm mean, sorry yeah Amon Ross St. Brown from the uh no I'm sorry St. Brown equanimous i'm sorry i can't get his name correctly saint brown there um, in chicago had a good day receiving as well 85 yards there um, for the chicago bears the detroit lions went in against the jacksonville jaguars jacksonville jaguars were kind of on a high that they felt as though that after last week they could put together some wins and potentially challenge the afc south challenge the titans for the afc south crown but that was squashed on Sunday against the Lions. 40-14 to 14 was the final score there. And Jared Goff threw for 340 yards. DeAndre Swift ran for 20, uh, 62 yards. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown for Detroit in that game threw, uh, received 114 yards. Wesley chiming in. I think with the stats, the state of the Colts, I would love to have him next year and use this year's first-round pick. Uh, on the T from Ohio State, from the tackle on Ohio State. I just want to use the pick on a quarterback this year. I just don't want to use the pick on a quarterback this year. I wouldn't either, especially having six quarterbacks in six years. That's just not a good, um, a good recipe for success there with the Colts. When it comes to John Robinson, Wesley, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Do you think it was – was it surprising to you that Chris Ballard was not fired before John Robinson? Because there were a lot of conversations in the Titans organization and the Titans media – They were talking about this firing today and they were surprised that Chris Ballard having six quarterbacks in six years was not the one with his head on the chopping block before John Robinson. Um, I I have to say I'm kind of surprised by that as well, but you know, they are how they are with the Colts. Um, But I mean, do you think that there's a quarterback there? I mean, besides I know that you want to get Lamar Jackson. Do you think that he could actually put you guys over the hump? Do you think there's somebody in house that could do that? If you could not get Lamar Jackson, Let me know in the comments below because I'd love to get your thoughts on that too. But yeah, um, other things that came on around the league, um, Eagles, like I said, 35 to 10 against Titans, the giants and the commanders. Now the commanders have been playing quite well and the giants, they started the season good, but then they've went to a, a bit of a slump recently. They're the third and fourth team this season to end with a tie on their record. So currently, um, the Commanders and the Giants, they ended in a tie. There have been two ties this season so far. The Commanders have looked really, really good. Uh, even though this was a tie, I mean, I think that both teams were playing as if it was uh, the last game of the year for a playoff spot. I think that they played well. The Commanders did. I think that um, the Giants did too, I guess, to make it a tie. But Taylor Heineke is the guy in Washington. I don't know what they're thinking there in Washington. I don't know if they're... they're looking at quarterback options. I don't know if they're thinking about keeping Carson Wentz and seeing what can happen after this. I know that um, they just said that that Carson Wentz is going to come in and be the primary backup to Taylor Heineke for the rest of the season. But can he get back the starting role? I mean, I think if Taylor Heineke's still there, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Taylor Heineke is the quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Plain and simple. I think that he's done well. I think he's, he's performed well and gotten them to this spot. Where, you know, earlier in the season, we were seeing people asking uh, asking questions about Carson Wentz left and right. Why is he the starting quarterback here? Why are you defending him? Blah, 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 blah. The injury happened. Taylor Heineke came in, and uh, the rest is history there. So I think that Taylor Heineke has that starting position there in Washington. I'd be very surprised if they go, if Ron Rivera decides to go with somebody else in the offseason. But with the way he's playing, with the way the team is responding around and uh, huddling around Taylor Heineke this year. I think that he's the quarterback there. I don't think that that's going to change unless something drastic happens with Taylor Heineke and his his play just completely diminishes. I think that that's not going to be the case. So um, commanders being led by Taylor Heineke, looking like they can get a playoff spot too. Um, another big game too, the Bengals versus the Chiefs. Bengals coming in and Joe Burrow leading the team over the Chiefs, 27-24, to 24, I'm sure. My uh, my Nebraska guys out there are not very happy that the Chiefs lost to the Bengals. I wasn't very happy when the Titans lost to the Bengals either. But here we are. Patrick Mahomes was unable to to unseat uh, Joe Burrow in this rivalry that they have there. So the Bengals played very well. Burrow uh, threw for 286 in that game and played well. I mean that team that team is surging at the right time too, uh, heading into the stretch of the play of, of the regular season potentially a playoff team, I mean, a playoff team, um, but going to be going to the playoffs with a very, very strong record. If they continue to play this way. And also if they avoid the injury bug, I think that's going to be a good thing for the the Bengals. And last but not least, this is a big one for Wesley too. the Cowboys and the Colts played this weekend Colts going in also saying, Hey, we have a shot at the AFC South. We could potentially get up there and and unseat the Titans. It's not unrealistic that the Titans um, could fall from grace and the Colts could get up there to the number one spot in the AFC South. But if this game is any indication, I say the Colts are pretty much done for the season. The Dallas Cowboys beat them 54 to 19 on Sunday night football. Matt Ryan was a turnover machine in this game. The Dallas Cowboys defense was smothering him in the fourth quarter. I think it was the highest scoring fourth quarter in Dallas Cowboys history it just was not a good game for the Colts. And I mean, at this point, I think you can kind of tell, I don't think Jeff Saturday is going to be the, the head coach there in Indianapolis moving forward. I think that they're going to probably find somebody else to come in, but whew, man, a tough, tough game for the Colts. Wesley chiming in. I am in an AFC South smack talk group and all season long Titans fans have been bashing Ballard possibly for good reason, but as badly as they have been bashing him and they've been praising J Rob just as much J. Rob is the best GM in the league. Um, Colts fans only wish they had J. Rob. Comments like that uh, made me a little shocked about the firing, especially because the loss was bad. But to the Eagles, if they got to the, if they got to the Houston game and lost to them, the firing would have been less shocking. I think it's I think it's just shocking the timing of it in the middle of the season the way it is, because the GM really doesn't have much to do when it comes to the personnel decisions at this point in the season, as Easton alluded to during uh, during our conversation. The trade deadline's passed, so you're not going out and trading for players on different teams. I mean, potentially practice squad guys, yeah. I think that at this point, with the interim, the interim GM there being there, uh, Mike Vrabel being able to say, this is the guy I want from this practice squad, go get him. Sure, he can pick up uh, the phone and call the player and get him signed. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, the general manager's role is, is pretty diminished at this point of the season. They're probably ramping up to look at next season's personnel, next season's cap space, and things of that nature. So, I mean, at this point, um, it's shocking that it happened today. I mean, I don't think anybody could have told you waking up this morning that John Robinson was going to be fired as the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. But I think that it makes sense in the long run, kind of like what Easton was saying when it comes to scouting, when it comes to, you know, leading up to the draft, the college football is pretty much done now when it comes to most of the teams anyway. Um, So I mean that they're also starting to look at the draft, starting to look at at players that are coming into draft eligibility. So, I mean, at this point, cut ties with him, find somebody else to come in, have a head start on next season, and go from there. Because I don't think this interim is going to maintain his status as general manager. I think we're going to find somebody else. I think they should probably go find somebody else externally, but again, that's just my preference and a lot of preference that's the preference of a lot of Titans fans out there as well that someone external comes in to be a new voice in that organization in the front office. Um, But yeah, I think that that we'll definitely see a new face in the general manager position next year. And I think it's going to be someone external, Um, but that's just my hunch though. So we'll see how that goes. And Wesley also says picks were Ryan's fault. Uh, two picks were Ryan's fault. He had no control over the fumbles by the other skill players. I can't say that I would have wanted to be in Ryan's shoes, having unblocked My- Micah Parsons coming at you all night. I wouldn't have either. Micah Parsons is a-, a terrifying human being, and I mean he's up for Defensive Player of the Year too. I mean he's he's one of two people. Him and Nick Bosa, I think, are the two that will be up there in the conversation. Um, and Nick Bosa is putting together a very nice resume. In San Francisco as well so I think with those two players they're going to be the ones contending for that that prize at the end of the year um Micah Parsons is just all over the field I mean and, and of course Nick Bosa is too but Micah Parsons is just everywhere and he affects every single play he's on the field um it's gonna be an interesting game on the 29th in in Nashville on Thursday night football against the Titans Against the Cowboys, um, that's going to be very interesting to watch, especially if we have the offensive line we have today. Which I don't think we will. I think we will have some change, especially at the left tackle position. And I think that we'll probably see a little bit more of Dylan Raiden's too, potentially trying him out at left tackle. Um, we might see that happen. I, he's he's better than Dennis Daly. I think at this point, and there's nothing worse than Dennis Daly being the worst offensive tackle in the league. I think that's probably something that's just going to be Dennis Daly's title. Um, but. I think moving forward, if we have a better offensive line for the Titans, I think we'll we'll see some some good things. But yes, Micah Parsons will definitely still regardless of who the offensive line is, because the Colts had a very highly touted offensive line coming into the season. Obviously it doesn't matter because Micah Parsons can get get back there, get to the football, gets to the quarterback, and disrupt the play, however which whichever way he can, whether it be in coverage, whether it be in the pass rush, he's gonna be in your face all night. And um it's it's again, it, it'd be terrifying. If I were a quarterback, I would just throw it away every time seeing Mike Parsons run after me. That's why I'm not a starting quarterback in the NFL. So um, thanks once again, guys, for watching this evening. If you missed the interview with Easton Freeze, feel free to watch the replay of this show. The very beginning, the first 30 minutes, he was on with us. It was a great interview talking about the Tennessee Titans' future, talking about what happened with the John Robinson uh, firing. I think that he had some great points, so definitely re-watch that. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to hit 500 by the end of the year, so we have 25 days left of this year, so hopefully we can hit 500 by the end of the year. It is a stretch goal for us, but uh, we would love to do it, so feel free to share it with your friends, see if they you can get them subscribed as well. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, um, everywhere you can get social media for JDF Sports. Feel free to follow us. And Also, um, Wesley has one more comment here. In my opinion, Bosa should be defense player at the moment. Have a great night, GDF Nation. Yes. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I think that the the next five, six games, however many games are left for most of these teams. um, I think we'll see some more of the stats piling up for one or the other. I think there'll be a clear winner at the end of the season. Um, But yeah, they're, they're very close, very close right now. Um, And I, I need to go watch some tape too on both those players to see which ones because, uh, yeah i mean they've the highlights i've seen from both players have been fantastic i would not be i would not be hurt by them choosing one or the other i really wouldn't so um thanks for watching this week guys feel free to listen to our podcast as well uh we are everywhere you get your podcasts itunes spotify soundcloud everywhere um so feel free to subscribe there once again thanks so much for watching this week and we will see you right here next tuesday 8 p.m 9 p.m eastern time right here on jdf sports